Hi, welcome to the Founders for Good Bite Size Edition, where every week we'll be sharing a short clip of a founder chatting about a particular problem that exists in the world and how we go about solving that problem. This week we have Alex Stephanie, founder of Beam. After successfully scaling his first venture, Alex wanted to do something focused on social impact. One day, when leaving his local tube station, Alex stopped to speak to a homeless person when the idea struck him to crowdfund getting people back into employment and off the streets. Beam have now helped over 1,000 people get into jobs and homes across the UK. In this episode, Alex explains Beam's unique and scalable model to solving homelessness, partnering with the government and charities, and the state of homelessness in the UK. Alex starts by sharing the story of how Beam started. And then one day, as I was... uh leaving my tube station, I uh, really kind of caught the attention of, of the, a homeless man um, and we sort of arrived, met and uh, uh, we spoke for the first time. But I'd actually seen him before, truth be told. I'd walked past this guy probably dozens of times and always just been too busy to stop and talk. But this time our eyes met and I thought, actually, I'm going to say hello to this guy. So um, we spoke, he told me about uh, growing up in Ireland, a lot of kind of tragic events that led him to the place where he was at um, then. And yeah, he was just sitting on the steps and we had a nice chat and off I went. And that was that. And then we we kept speaking, actually, as, as the weeks and months went by. I would bring him cups of coffee. I remember when it was getting towards winter, I'd bring him pairs of socks. Um, but then he just disappeared. And... Six or maybe seven weeks passed and I still just, you know, couldn't see him anywhere. But then finally the guy appears, actually. Um, but I barely recognize him because his big beard has gone and um, he looks like years older, you know, 10, 15 years old. And you know, frankly, he just looks pretty, pretty awful. And then, um, you know, I go up to him and I just say, what's happened? Where have you been? And he says, been in hospital. So what's what happened? He had a heart attack. So, you know, we, we talk again and I say goodbye and I'm walking home and yeah, it just hits me very hard that nothing I've done to help this man has really made much of a difference. And in fact, he's in a much worse position months later than when I first met him, which was a pretty bad position to be in. So it just hit me really hard that there must be a better way. There must be something else I could have done. Um, and that is just an intolerable position, really, an intolerable situation when we are living in one of the wealthiest cities in the world and there are people literally dying sat outside tube stations. And so, you know, I really thought back to the very first time that we met and he told me that he'd been just out of work as long as he could remember. And, you know, it hit me really hard that clearly what this guy needed wasn't another cup of coffee, but it was actually the support, the skills, the confidence to get back into work and to put himself in a position where he could buy himself the socks and the coffees and the hundred other things that we all need. I thought, well, that's going to cost more than a few quid, but what if we all chip in? What if we could all get together and make effectively a life-changing investment in this man's future? Would that work? And maybe we could use crowdfunding. And I knew a bit about crowdfunding because I um, did what was actually the largest ever crowdfunding round for a startup when I was running Just Park. So I thought, I know a bit about that. Maybe this will work. But at the same time, I was very, very nervous that 
homelessness was a uh, you know a very complex problem that I knew very little about, and I was really coming to it for the first time. And it was also, of course, a problem that um, affects very vulnerable people. So the last thing I wanted to do was kind of you know wade in there like some tech startup bro who thinks he has all the answers and actually cause harm. So I spent a long time, maybe six months meeting with uh, people who are working in homeless charities at all kinds of different levels, from the most junior to chief execs, meeting people who are experiencing different types of homelessness. So not only people who are on the streets, but people who are living in homeless hostels or women's refuges and trying to really understand the problems that they were facing. And during this process, uh, one of these charities said to me, Alex, you should go and meet this guy called Tony. So who's Tony? She says, oh, he's a guy who lives in a homeless hostel in South London. He wants to be an electrician. So, okay, that sounds, sounds like an interesting guy to meet. So off I go. I am sat next to this uh, guy in a hostel in South London. Uh, he is really just looking so depressed, so beaten up. And uh, I begin to learn about this man. He's been out of work for more than two decades He's been a drug addict. He's been an alcoholic. He's um, estranged from almost all of his family. And unsurprisingly, there's not a lot to be happy about. But I explained to him, his name's Tony, that uh, I want to start a new project where we are going to raise money for people like him who want to get skills and get into work. And maybe we could help him to become an electrician. And uh, at this point, we have a very basic website that my friend, now our director of engineering, um, has built. And I do this, frankly, terrible pitch to, to Tony. And I just say, look, you can ask me you know, anything you like. If you've got any questions, anything unclear. And he says, I don't understand. So what don't you understand? He goes, I don't understand. Why would anyone help me? And I have to honestly reply and say, look, I don't know that they will. I don't control what other people are going to do and say, but I believe there are a lot of people out there who do want to help. And I think that when we share your story, we're going to see that. And so pauses and I go, look, I'm prepared to give this my best shot. And if you are, let's just see where we can get to. And I'll always be eternally grateful for him giving this a go um, because days later we're off in this um, electrician training center. We're meeting the person who would teach him to become an electrician if we can raise the money. And I'm thinking maybe we can't, you know, and if we can't raise the money, I'm just going to pay for it myself because I'm not going to let this guy down. But, you know, I had as many question marks and um, probably more than, than Tony did. But we put Tony's campaign together. I then pick up the phone and um, I start pitching the story to journalists. And I say, look, there's a homeless man who wants to become an electrician and he's crowdfunding. And to my delight and surprise, it becomes this major global news story. It's covered everywhere. The BBC multiple times. Uh, he's in The Guardian, The Times, The Independent, Reuters. Um, it then gets picked up in various different um, TV and media outlets around the world. Uh, needless to say, we raised the money that Tony needed. It was about three and a half thousand pounds. He went and studied as an electrician. He got his city and guilds accreditation. He got a job working uh, on uh, building sites, doing electrical work for big new construction projects. 
he began to do very well. He got promoted. He moved into his own home, reunited with his family, his relationships restored, in particular with his son, much improved. And uh, that all happened within six or so months. And then after that, I was just left reflecting. That was quite hard, but, you know, it is doable. It is solvable. And here was someone that had really been in a rut for decades that we could help quite quickly. And if we can help this person, what if we can help another hundred people? What if we could help a thousand people or a million people? Maybe society will look a lot better, a lot fairer if we can do that. And we haven't helped a million people yet, but you know, we're, we're on our way. We've helped now more than a thousand homeless people to get into jobs and homes. Uh, we're a service that is uh, right across uh, London um, and also increasingly uh, available in cities all around the UK. We're in England, Scotland, and Wales. And we're working not only with um, homeless people, but increasingly with refugee groups. So we've been working um, to support Afghan refugees and Ukrainian refugees um, into housing. And um, above all, we've built a model that you know really, really, really works. So um, almost 80% of people using the service are starting jobs. On average, they've been out of work five and a half years. So you know, it's an incredibly different candidate profile to the sort of people you're working with every day, Craig. And um, what I think we've seen is that though they may have you know less uh, less impressive CVs and less recent work experience and fewer qualifications and all these things, you know, if people are given the chance, they you know more often than not rise to that challenge. And one of the really interesting aspects of this model is this crowdfunding. So I'll, I'll talk briefly about um, how that works and then let you ask your second question or else it's going to be a one-question podcast. Uh, the way we work is we partner with government. They refer people to us. Uh, we give each of those people a caseworker who understands all the risks in their life and helps them to build a campaign. Then anyone out there in the world, and hopefully you if you're listening to this now, goes to beam.org and you support people. You can either pick someone to support or you can uh, donate monthly. And each month we share uh, someone's profile with you. And when people donate, they often leave a nice little message of support. And all of these messages are passed on to the individuals using Beam. And they are just utterly transformative in how people perceive themselves. And um, once the campaign is funded, the, the person works with their caseworker to to, to get into a job or get into a home. And we have um, teams at Beam who work to build relationships with employers and also to build relationships with landlords. So there's also a kind of you know, marketplace, if you will, of landlords and, and employers. And we use um, those to match up with our, with our members and, and yeah, make sure that we have the right home and the right job for them. Because it's not just about a job or a home. It also really needs to work for people. As we all know, uh, there's one thing being in a job and there's another thing being in the right job. And I've many times in my career, I've, um, I've been in the wrong job and that's been pretty bad for the company and pretty bad for me too. Um, so it's so important to, yeah, make sure there's that fit. Definitely. And lots and lots to unpack there, but like, I, I don't think anyone can, um, like not listen to your story and, and that journey. And it just doesn't touch them on like a human level. Like, I, I don't think, anything feels as powerful as like helping another human being like in need, uh, especially like you said, those are super vulnerable, probably, you know, have zero confidence, been knocked down again and again, and just at a point where they just don't believe no one really cares, or wants to help them and actually giving them that back is probably the most powerful thing you could do possibly. Um, 
to um to zoom out for a second and just talk about the um you know, homelessness uh, as as a as a as like a topic um can you give an idea of like what what is the current um like state of homelessness in the UK if that's like portion of the population or number of people like living out on the streets um and I assume with stuff like cost of living inflation that's when you're going to get worse sadly yeah so one important thing to understand is that the people who are homeless that we see on the streets are just the tip of the iceberg. And so the vast majority of people who are legally homeless in the UK are in some type of emergency accommodation. That might be a hostel or that might be a refuge. Um, and that's a really kind of ramshackle, long list of all kinds of different types of buildings that have been repurposed for people. Um, so that's, you know, what that means is that bad as we think homelessness is, and although we see maybe the sharpest end of it on the streets, um, we see but a tiny sliver of homelessness in general. So um, overall, more than 300,000 homeless people in the UK, more than 100,000 children who are living in some type of emergency accommodation. Uh, all of the data that we have unsurprisingly, sadly, tells us that those children will uh, perform worse academically, will suffer from worse health. Um, and it's a problem that uh, has been with us uh, for, you know, a very, very, very long time. Um, and, you know, my view is that it's about time we made some serious progress um, on these problems. Uh, but yeah, you know, one way to visualize it is there are more homeless people in the UK than the population of Brighton. So we have a kind of, you know, a meaningful city in the UK that is, you know, that's that order of magnitude. And to your point, Craig, around cost of living, um, yes. So unfortunately, that is likely to be the outcome uh, of, of the cost of living crisis. Uh, there are millions of people who are teetering on the brink of homelessness and uh you know our fear is that uh a lot of them do become homeless um in the next um you know year or two um unless we can really get ahead of the curve and i think that's going to require a, a big big team effort um from from the government uh from communities um and i also think that businesses and startups have a part to play too and you know one of our views on i guess one of the philosophical views on on social issues like homelessness is that they are everyone's responsibility and that um saying it's the government's responsibility or uh, it's down to homelessness charities or, or whatever whatever it is 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 never going to work uh, actually we need a true kind of collaborative and multi-stakeholder approach to solving these problems and that's how we have approached it to beam so uh, we have, yeah, the government who are commissioning the service. We have the community donating, sending messages. We have landlords housing. We have employers employing people. And I think we've seen that when you create clarity over the role people need to play and you make it easy for them to play that role, you know, fundamentally there are a lot of people who want to be positive actors and who want to be part of a of, you know, real progress on issues. <laughs>